0: 2019 is not quite over, but the 2019 campaign season is over. We've had a series of special elections to Congress, and we had the off-year legislative and gubernatorial races. We're going to break those down, and particularly what they may or may not tell us heading into the 2020 election cycle. Joining me on this episode. Episode of Political Theater podcast is Nathan Gonzalez, CQ Roll Calls Elections Analyst, and John Bennett, our White House correspondent. Nathan, I feel like I never left. John, hello, Jason. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So let us uh, let's start before we get into some of the 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 other races that occurred this year. Um, November is the the November like elections in Kentucky, Virginia, Mississippi, Louisiana. Uh, Jersey. I mean, like the, these are the states that have these off-year elections where they that's when they decide governors. It's not off-year to yeah. them. It's not off-year mm-hmm. to them. That's right. It's, it's just off-year to us. Uh, it's, it's like being left-handed, right? I mean, it's, uh, the world is, is made for right-handed people. Uh, my, my stepson will kill me uh, for saying that. <laughs> uh, but it, they we get these elections, and they, they sometimes give us some clues about what may be coming and sometimes not. But let's just go through, you know, in particular, what happened this month because there were a series of of gubernatorial elections uh, there where the president you know got involved and w- and what happened in those
2: well, I think when you boil all of them down wins or losses each of them had some unique circumstances but one of the things that we saw uh, a continuing trend from 2018 is the growing divide between uh, Democrats doing better in the suburbs and uh, Republicans doing even better in rural areas. I, you know, this We saw this in 2018 in a response to President Trump being in office. And you can kind of pick and choose any, any of the races that happened in November uh, or even September with the North Carolina redo election that Democrats, the trend, they're getting, they're doing better in suburbs. But also Democrats haven't found their floor in the rural areas either. And I expect that to continue into 2020.
0: And the president did get involved in some of these gubernatorial elections this month. Uh, in Kentucky, John, he went to campaign for the, the incumbent, Matt Bevin, who's a Republican, uh, and, and, and sort of made an appeal the night before the election. And Bevin lost to Democrat Andy Bashir. Uh, in the Louisiana runoff election that was just decided this last past Saturday, he made three appearances in total in Louisiana on behalf of Republican candidates and then specifically Eddie Respone, uh, the, the Republican candidate. They He lost, Respone lost to... The Democratic incumbent John Bell Edwards, and then in Virginia, he did not campaign in Virginia per se, uh, but he did send out to his followers on Twitter and so forth that it was important that Republicans retain the control of the legislature in Virginia, and the Republicans lost the the uh, majority. So, I mean. John, you wrote a story uh, last week that you know sort of said like there, this strategy of getting involved by the president comes with it some risks. And are we seeing the are we seeing this now that like he went you know with with Matt Bevan and with uh, with Eddie Rapone, he went over too.
1: Yeah, essentially what the president tried twice, uh, both in Kentucky and Louisiana, college football fans will of course remember the Bush push when uh, University of Southern California when Reggie Bush, the running back, Uh, Down at the goal line, uh, USC's playing Notre Dame, the game's close, waning seconds. Uh, Matt Leonard's the quarterback. He tries a quarterback sneak. He can't really find a way into the end zone. And Reggie Bush runs up and literally tries to shove or carry him into the end zone. It worked. There's now a rule, of course. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> and so I think, did they have to I, forfeit that game later? <laughs> I believe they did because there was all kinds of things that happened out there at USC. But again, I But the I pushing across the right. goal line, he this is a, where this
0: kind of the kind of language comes right. from. Uh,
1: Trump yeah, was right. essentially Reggie Bush uh, in, in this now very tortured uh, metaphor <laughs> We love torturing um, metaphors. <laughs> that is what we do here. That's what we do. <laughs> right. Um, so, but he was he, unlike Reggie Bush, was unable to get uh, his quarterbacks into the end zone. Uh, I talked to a Trump campaign official um, this week. And you know, really continuing what they've said about Matt Bevan in Kentucky that um, you know the president helped him close the margin and and he would have lost by more had the president not gone and and held rallies and and really made that last second appeal. Um, and they just say that that Bevin was an unpopular governor. They say the opposite about Louisiana. This official saying that uh, the Democratic incumbent down there, John Bell Edwards, uh, was a, a conservative Democrat in a Southern state with high approval ratings, and that was always kind of a mountain that uh, Eddie Respone and President Trump were going to have to to climb together, and they were just unsuccessful, uh, really giving. Uh, I was surprised giving Edwards a lot of credit for for the job he's done in the campaign he ran. Uh, I joked to this official that well, maybe Edwards should think about jumping in the 2020 race <laughs> if, if if he's the kind of Democrat that appeals. It's not too late. <laughs> that appeals in in you know light red or, or or light blue places. Maybe he's got some national poll. And uh, the official just kind of chuckled, but uh, didn't want to go there. Uh, but yeah, there is risk, and and you know the president they they, they want to explain it away, of course, but. Uh, He did get heavily involved. He went to Louisiana three times in the last five or so weeks of the race,
0: including Uh, two days before the election.
1: Yeah, including two days before the election. He went a fourth time. He went to the LSU Alabama football game, you know, and he was in the, there were, even though it was in Alabama, there were thousands of LSU fans there, more, millions more watching at home. So that's kind of a fourth foray into that race. And I think he just wanted to watch a really good football game, but it gave him a chance to get back down there. Um, and, you know, the coattails ain't what they used to be. That's what, you know, a lot of uh, political strategists that I talked to um, said. But, but I think Nathan was alluding to this in rural areas, uh, the president is still very popular with Republicans. And he will be, that's where he will be effective in 2020, is going in to those rural areas, those house races especially. And it'll benefit himself because he can try to jack up. Conservative turnout in places like Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Ohio, uh, Michigan, uh, the usual list of battlegrounds. So it this could end up, if you think about it enough and you squint, it, it could help the president.
2: Here's here's I think the the biggest concern Republicans I think should have with what's happened over the last couple of months. It's that the president always makes everything about him. Indeed. He wants to be on the stage. He wants to be the center of attention. And the president is a turnout machine. Now, that means turning out Republican voters. That means turning out Democratic voters. And I know that there are Republicans in town that said, why doesn't he just focus? If he just focused on the economy and came out every day and talked about how good the economy was doing, the party would be in a much different position. But it's always about him. There are some pluses, but there's some minuses. In Kentucky, I would agree that the president helped Bevan closed the gap, but we wouldn't have seen the same suburban surge for Bashir. I think if it were another, if it were another president, so he kind of he started the fire and then he tried to put out the fire at the end. Uh, you know, maybe give him give him some credit, but it's not. This is the loss was not just on Bevin alone.
0: Well, and I I just want to point out too that like with in Virginia in the third sort of big thing, and I, and we should mention too that in Mississippi the Republican. Uh, candidate uh, did win. Uh, I mean, it th- th- wasn't. It was a considered a semi-competitive race. Uh, not not m- as much, but the the, the Mississippi uh, governor's race went to the Republican. But in, I, I mean, I hasten to point out that in in Virginia we ha- we saw a turnover of the, of the legislature, and we saw this urban-rural divide uh, like widen, uh, urban-suburban-rural divide, you know, widen. But in Louisiana and in Kentucky, I mean, the president won these states easily. in In he dominated in twenty sixteen. He won each by more than twenty points. I mean, John Bell Edwards, as popular as he was, really he was the one who. I mean, he got to run against David Vitter four years ago. So, I mean, he, he like he, that can be sort of that. That's an understandable win, if you will, uh, regardless of how talented a candidate he is. And but he's still competing with, against math, just simple arithmetic. I mean, like this, this is. I mean, this has got to be a very uncomfortable moment for the White House.
1: I, I think so. They acknowledge that that they have the suburban problem, but I don't see them doing anything to try to get those voters back. I think those voters, as of right now, those voters are are gone from the Trump coalition, unless they change their minds on their own for whatever reason. Be it they get tired of impeachment, they decide the Democrats are overreaching and, and there's not enough there. Something to force them back. I, you know, I asked the, the campaign, the Trump campaign official um, uh, on Monday, if, if because of these trends that we see in the polling and because of what we see in these statewide races, they might change their strategy or the president is the, you know, is the president considering altering his message a little bit? Because like you said, it's a math thing. And he just said, John, Donald Trump is Donald Trump and he's going to be Donald Trump. They're not, Going to change a thing, and and that's why it's all about rural voters and everything the president does. Increasingly, it's about white men in rural areas because that's how he gets reelected. I don't maybe Nathan. No,
2: and this is but and this goes even back to the 2018 elections and what lessons were learned or should have been learned. I think the White House believes that the elections weren't necessarily that big of a loss because of what happened in the Senate, and that part of it was because of how the president talked about issues. He was talking about, you know, caravans coming from Central America up, you know, about to in- invade Texas. And uh, I would argue <laughs> that, that that hurt. I mean, it, it led to Democrats winning the House. and But I think because the president and the White House may not see that as a big loss in the elections, that that is just going to lead him toward doing the same behavior in 2020 and be that strategy. Yeah, they
1: don't. They never did. They decided fairly early into the into the term that they were going to lose the House in the midterms. And then when, you know, they had success in the Senate and the statewide races. Which was
2: because of the map. I'm right. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure.
1: Uh, but, yeah, they declared victory that night. Um, so no they I don't think they learned many of those lessons. I think the le- the kinds of lessons that they tried to learn was um, better ways to use social media fundraising tricks um, how to use technology in the race. I don't think they they really learned many lessons about what happened with the voters.
0: So I, I also I want to point out too that the three special elections in it for Congress for congressional seats this year they were all, they were won by the Republicans. Uh, they, were, they were held by Republicans. They were won by Republicans in Pennsylvania, and we can get to you in a second, uh, John, because you went to cover that race uh, for, for us up in uh, Pennsylvania's 12th District, uh, where Tom Marino left uh, his, his position. Fred Keller defeated uh, uh, Mark Friedenberg, the Democrat, I mean, fairly easily. Uh, in North Carolina, three, Walter B. Jones died. Uh, uh, Republican Greg Murphy defeated... Democrat Alan Thomas also fairly easily, uh, uh, like not a not a difficult win to gut out, and then in North Carolina nine, which again just so happens to be the most suburban <laughs> of of the of these three races, uh, Republican Dan Bishop did beat Democrat Dan McCready. Uh, there, there were some irregularities in the vote uh, in twenty eighteen, and the and the North Carolina Board of Elections ordered a new election, but this was a heavily Republican district, and 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 Bishop won it it was a, a little bit of a squeaker uh the president did get involved and he did you know you know rally his troops but again nathan you, you saw there uh, this rural suburban and urban you divide widening there
2: yeah i mean dan mccready the democrat uh, did better in the charlotte suburbs than what he even did one year before in 2018 when he was the nominee and, but then he did poorly in um, the more rural part of the district, including underperforming with the African-American community in, uh, in the rural part of the district. And they, that's a bigger, that is a bigger concern for Democrats that when you look at the enthusiasm on the Democratic side, it's through the roof. But at the same time, there's a gap between uh, white Democratic enthusiasm and minority Democratic enthusiasm. And what does the ticket look like to try to compensate for that is an is a open question.
0: John, when you were up in Pennsylvania, um, and uh, it was uh, Williamsport, I believe. That it was, was the the event that you attended. And, the again, this is like the, the enthusiasm was kind of through the roof, right? I mean, like the stagecraft was well. They landed Air Force One to ACDC and all this kind of just, stuff. I mean, it, it was just right. it, you put a on main, a show. Right. You know? uh,
1: they do. That's what they do. And they, people love it. They do the uh, ones who attend at least, right? So. Uh, the, you know, other than raise money, I think what the Trump campaign does best is stagecraft. Um, I, I I complimented uh, the official who I spoke to yesterday about that very rally in, in Montersville, Williamsport area, uh, kind of in in northern Pennsylvania. They're very rural, uh, you know, kind of the heart of Trump country. Uh, very red. Uh, Keller won that uh, that race with 68% of the vote. The president won it big in 2016. A fascinating trip. Learned a lot uh, on that trip. Confirmed a lot that I already suspected about Trump Country. Um, they th- they have enthusiasm too. They they love the president. I mean, they believe everything he's doing is the exact right thing. You know, some of them, especially the women, uh, they don't like how brash he is. They don't. No one likes the tweet. Well, n- almost uh, no one that I ran into or, t- or talked to up there. Everyone said, well, I wish he would tweet less. Or, and, and when he tweets, I wish he would kind of tone it down a little. Um, but then they're, they're just as critical of whoever he's tweeting at. So, um, you know, that race up there was an example of, of what the president can do in these rural areas, I think. I, and, and I would see him go to these places. He did this in 2016. They ran a series of regional campaigns to get the 270 electoral votes that is certainly, you know, the official did not chase me off that. White House officials haven't chased me off that. That's all they're doing here. They're going to do the same thing. And Democrats, well, they're going to run an ideas-based national campaign. And we'll see how that works out.
2: Yeah, I, I think the, uh, the difference between 2016 and replaying, redoing the 2016 electoral map for the president is that Democrats are energized and motivated in a way now that they weren't then. Sure. And so, Turnout's going to be up. Now, where is the turnout? If if more Democrats in LA and New York turn out, then right. it doesn't change the electoral college math. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about Philadelphia. suburban Philadelphia, yeah. suburban Detroit, suburban Atlanta, Austin, That's uh, Dallas, Houston, uh, then things start to get yeah,
1: very different. I mean, he won by I, I think the somewhere around eighty six thousand votes in in what five states. So it's it's very doable for for the Democrats to to beat the president. Um, it's you know I, if I have you know I'm gonna I'm gonna pull my hair out if uh, if one more strategist says it depends where the turnout is <laughs> on both sides that's what they 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 don't agree on much uh, these pollsters but they all agree on that the
2: other thing that Republicans when you boil down these 2019 elections beyond the Pennsylvania one but everything is just a struggle even Mississippi where they won was was maybe more of a struggle than what Republicans hoped. But Democrats don't need any of these in terms of the 2020 math. They don't need to win in Kentucky or Louisiana or North Carolina 9. That's just gravy to them. And every, Republicans are just on defense. And that's a difficult position to electorally to be in.
0: Before we go, um, <clears throat> I mean, the, the tendency, I think, with special elections and off-year elections is to, to look – too much into the results as a as a harbinger, you know, of, of what may come. What, you know, but they, they these are the data points that we have to work with at at this point. And and you know, so we we've got some that we can look at, which is that you know the president's doing very well in rural areas and not so well in r- uh, urban and suburban areas. What are some other What are some things that we can say we don't know? You think Nathan? Because I mean, like the, the you're you're very good at parsing. This information and kind of seeing through the BS, you know, that comes out of campaign strategist mouths and so forth. What what are the things that we can that we know that we don't know that people say we might? Well, I, I think. So. <laughs> what
2: is what is the news that's going to happen over the next year specifically with the impeachment process that's going on on our televisions? What is what is the when is the end? What is the end? Uh, and and how does that fit with voters in the middle? I think most most. Americans on either side have already made up their mind about whether they think the president is guilty or not. But for those, I think there is a, a, a persuadable middle that if we get through this whole process months, it goes to the Senate. The House impeaches. It goes to the Senate. There's a trial and all of this. And Rudy Giuliani goes down like that's the whole thing. It's like, well, <laughs> I think voters are going to wonder, was that a use, a good use of time? But if Democrats connect the dots and there's clear um evidence of, of abuse of power by the president. And I could see voters in the middle saying, no, I'm glad we went through that process to, to find out what happened. And until we get to the end of this process, politically, it's tough to know what the fallout is.
0: And one thing, one last question for you, John. Uh, I mean, this, uh, if we thought that the president
1: was on the road a lot this year, we've really seen nothing yet, right? I think so. I mean, uh, I I, I wondered aloud uh, to the campaign official um You know, just when will the president hit the button? Because he keeps saying it at rallies. Let's be
0: careful about buttons, Uh, not that Ah, button, right? I mean, like, when will he hit the ignition? What button are you talking uh, about, Jason? Don't press
1: the button, (laughs) sir. The one for the Diet Cokes or the one for the nukes? (laughs) Yes, right. Uh, Don't confuse them, sir. Right.
0: Yes. Uh, When will he hit the button to go on the trail, right, is what you're... uh,
1: They don't know. Uh, It was pretty clear in my conversation that the president himself will make that decision, and, and he's not ready to do so yet. He says... Publicly and 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 loudly, as always, that he will uh, he will make that decision, but he will not. He doesn't want to go too soon. He doesn't want to get out there in earnest uh, too soon. Uh, he has given you know no indication of of when he might do that. the The, the campaign organization staff they don't really know yet. Uh, they you know they said they have a plan and 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 they they'll be ready to execute. They have when, a plan. Yeah, <laughs> they they claim they there, have. There a are plan. plans. They claim they have a plan <laughs> and they're ready to execute. Um, I think, you know, the president, by all accounts, is somewhat distracted by the impeachment inquiry. I would think it may be sometime after after the Senate holds its trial, Um, assuming, as we all are counting votes here, because we're all whips uh, in our spare time, that he will not be removed by the Senate. And, you know, the Senate wraps its trial sometime in February. Uh, You know, uh, they figure out a, a government spending bill. Uh, there's not much left to do here in Washington for any of them, frankly, until the next government shutdown deadline. So there, there will certainly be nothing stopping the president from from hitting the trail multiple times a week or or, you know, a, a blitz one week and then he's back here and then a, a blitz of, uh, of of rallies. But, you know, they haven't decided yet. And it, just like everything else with the campaign and the president, it's his call.
0: Well, Nathan, John, thank you very much for uh, kind of breaking down the 2019, the last last year of the decade. Uh, and when it comes to election specials and otherwise, I uh, appreciate your insights.
2: Anytime, Jason, just for you.
0: <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Political Theater. We are going to take a break over the Thanksgiving holiday, so we will not be publishing a podcast during the Thanksgiving week. We will be back in December, and we look forward to talking with you then. Political Theater is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note.